Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. Josh Marlowe joining me, the co host during the Tar Heel football season for the on field editions of the podcast tonight, previewing the Tar Heels game upcoming uh, against the Virginia Cavaliers. The South's oldest rivalry cranks up its latest edition, uh, and we will talk to you guys about all of that coming up here on this edition of the podcast. We'll take a look at uh, some of the top storylines around the Tar Heels uh, off the field or really regard some stuff on the field, basically just some injury updates for you guys. We got uh, to ask a question that was asked during today's press conference. We've got to make sure we get that out there for you guys and then uh, we do have to circle around and preview the game against Virginia we'll of course talk to you about uh, you know the history of the series for Carolina uh, one that has not gone their way over the last few meetings with the Cavaliers we'll tell you about the team that they're going to be facing on Saturday night that is off to a tremendous start to the season and we'll hand out our keys to the game and give out our official predictions we'll also close you down with a couple of recruiting notes and a note about one of the Tar Heels upcoming games later on this season but uh, 
I, I can't believe it's already week three. Uh, this is uh, a big game for Carolina, though, and I think the biggest question that a lot of people have uh, in their minds heading into this game, at least uh, the biggest question on my mind right now, is uh, most people think that there's not a must-win game in September. This one is, and I don't think there's any way you can quantify it as one that isn't. It is when you lose your season opener, which happens to be an ACC game, and your expectations and your goals is to make – the ACC title game. Um, you know, look, there may be a scenario where 6-2 and two gets you to Charlotte, but you would be behind the eight ball in terms of tiebreakers against Virginia Tech and Virginia, who if they beat you, you have to put in the discussion as teams with, with a legitimate chance to make it to Charlotte. You still haven't seen Miami, though Miami isn't, isn't really all that good at the moment. You still haven't seen Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just went on the road and won – at Tennessee, and look, I know Tennessee ain't great, but um, it's still a hard place to go win a football game unless you're Alabama. So it, it is a must-win, um, and, and it, it's it's for this season, and for and look uh, for Carolina fans, and for the people around the ACC and around the country, the perception of Carolina will can change in this win. You haven't beaten Virginia in four years, so that means you're 0-4 under Mac, under Mac Brown. Sam Howell has yet to beat Virginia. Um, and so if you lose this game, you've already got losses to Virginia Tech and Virginia, teams that we believe to be inferior to us this year. If you lose this game, it's, really, it's going to be really hard to change the narrative around your program during this season. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think there's no doubt that this is one of those games that feels kind of big for the program because, yeah, I mean, if you're one and two, that's definitely not where you expected to be this season. Uh, it's not something that would be completely unforeseen. We talked about that a little bit when we were going through what the schedule looked like um, and made our official predictions before the season. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's no doubt uh, a game that Carolina has to win. And, unfortunately, they are going to be without a couple of guys uh, in this game uh, that we know of for sure. Um, of course, Ethan West is a guy that's been out for the entire season. He is joined by Day-Day Hollins. That was announced earlier this week. We did talk about that a little bit on the last edition of the podcast, but I think we should revisit it because uh, went back, listened to Jay Bateman's press conference, and he said that he does hope that Storm Duck is going to be able to play this weekend. They think that that's a possibility. They've been working him back slowly from the injury that he had. Uh, I believe this is sort of separate from the leg injury that he had a year ago. Uh, Mac Brown did say back in the spring early on when Storm Duck went down that it was some sort of tweak of the leg. Again, he likes to leave it extremely broad. That is how Mac Brown does uh, a lot of things when it comes to injuries if they're not season ending so I think that is an important key because if not uh, you know Carolina is going to be a little bit thin there at corner for this game against Virginia but to be honest with you that's that's something that at this point the last two years that they've played Virginia they've been relatively thin at the cornerback position I think they're just going to have to deal with it regardless yeah um I, I was proud of Mac Brown to finally he came out and said today look injuries are an excuse um they've had two full recruiting classes so they've been able to um add some depth at some of those spots is about those guys being put in a being put in a position to make plays, and then ultimately those guys that got to step up and they're going to see some snaps, they've got to make plays. But if you can get Storm Duck back, you're, you know, 
you're going to feel a lot more confident heading into this game with Virginia. Brennan Armstrong's coming off a massive game, throwing the football. You also know they're going to want, want to run the football and get on the edges anyway. So there's going to be a lot of plays for these corners to be made for the for the corners to make on Saturday night. Um, and so we'll see how it all plans out, and hopefully Storm will be ready to go come Saturday night. Yeah, I, I think there's a decent chance. Uh, and but but I think the big thing is is that look, Kyler McMichael. Uh, he's coming off what Mac Brown said is probably the best game of his career at Carolina, which I think is really saying something. And Tony Grimes, they're going to be your two guys that are going to play the bulk of the snaps. We know that. I think the biggest thing is is that you do not want to have to play Obi Egbuna as your number one rotational option. I, I don't think it's nothing against Obi. And look, he could step up and play great. Mm-hmm. It's just that he doesn't have the experience that a Storm Duck or that a DeAndre Day-Day Hollins had before he went down with his injury. He could be a guy that could thrive out there. But I think that in this game a game that we just talked about a minute ago is one that we think is probably a must-win for Carolina. I think that you would like to have some of your experienced veteran guys even providing depth for you out there. Uh, Some of the other guys that are banged up that are going to be evaluated throughout the week uh, are British Brooks, uh, Joshua Zudu, of course, and DJ Jones. Zudu, we knew he was out the other night. That was uh, reported before the game. First guy I saw that had it was Jacob Turner, friend of the show. Uh, And yeah, that that was uh, one that definitely hurt Carolina in that game uh, against Georgia State, and it's one that you feel like is crucial for them to have in this game against Virginia with an offensive line that's struggling. DJ Jones, I don't think he was officially ruled out, but he did not play the other night. He did not take a single snap. Carolina could really use him in that backfield. Look, I know that Caleb Hood was a guy that was talked about as having did some positive things in the in, in fall camp, uh, earned some of those number two reps. I, I think at this point, it's gotten to a point where now you've kind of uh, you, you need DJ Jones back there because he looked really good for Carolina uh, at times in that game against Virginia Tech. It looks like with his experience, him as a pass protector, uh, that that definitely helped Carolina out a lot. So I feel like he's a guy that you kind of need back there. And then look, I mean, British Brooks, you know, he carried the ball a little bit for you the other night, but that would be a huge loss for your special teams unit. Uh, Mac Brown has talked about how that group has taken a step forward so far this year. In order to keep that going, you really need British Brooks out there. So these are some key guys. They're going to be evaluated throughout the week, and we'll see uh, how you know they look heading into game day and whether or not they'll be able to play. But I, I feel like for sure the one that's most notable here is Joshua Zudu, and it feels like in this game you, you need him to be out there if he can. Well, yeah, and I, I think that's a very obvious thing to say. Um, you know, look, here's the thing. We've been very critical about this offensive line through two weeks, and rightfully so. But we haven't seen the same offensive line that we saw a year ago because of injuries in the Virginia Tech game. And then last week, of course, with Joshua Zudu missing the game against Georgia State. But you know what Virginia is going to bring to this game. They're going to bring a level of physicality that you've got to match and you've got to exceed. You'd like to have your entire starting offensive line healthy enough to help you do that, to open up some holes to let Ty Chandler and the other running backs make some plays and ultimately hold hold up hold up pass protection for Sam Howell to make some of those deep throws down the football field. But if not, it's next man up, and they seem pretty confident in the guys they got behind them being ready to go. 
Yeah, I mean, they do. Uh, I think that's one of those things, though, where we saw a lot of that confidence in the preseason, and we haven't seen it really translate over just yet. So you need these guys to step up. Having Joshua Zudu, I know that we saw Brian Anderson out there the other night. He wasn't all that effective because you could tell that he was still working his way back from the injury that cost him week one. I think Azudu is a little bit different. I think he – I know that Brian Anderson is your communicator on the offensive line. A lot of people regard him as one of the more important guys down there. When it comes to the talent and the level of play from these guys, I think Joshua Azudu is clearly your best offensive lineman. Yes. So even him – being slowed by the injury, I think him being out there would be a huge upgrade for you, and it's something you need right now uh, against a Virginia team that is going to be hungry and is going to be ready to come out and, and, and potentially pull another, I guess, mild upset it would be against the Tar Heels. Another guy that went down in this game, came back into this game, though, is Jaquarius Conley. Uh, Jay Bateman talked about him during the press conference. It looks like he's going to be able to play. Uh, Bateman has a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to play with the club on uh, and Bateman said that the club that he wears in this game should be a little less restrictive. I think they pretty much just wrapped that thing up as heavily as they could because they didn't know the extent of the injury so they were just trying to make sure that uh, it, it wasn't something that became you know more banged up throughout the night potentially broke more bones in the hand, whatever. Uh, so now that they know the extent of the injury, I think they're going to be able to wrap it a little bit differently. He has confidence that that's going to allow him to be a little more effective with it. I think you know it would be huge to have him play out there, but I think one of the things that Bateman said, and we'll see what they do in terms of you know rotating him in and out early on, I think they've got to get a feel for just how effective he can be, and if they really feel like one of the other guys, Giovanni Biggers, Cameron Kelly, whoever it is, can be more effective out there, uh, they may have to roll with them for a while, which really stinks because Jaquarius Conley, so far this season, I think, has been your best defensive player. Yeah, no, he's been the best. Oh, easily the best guy out of the secondary. You could put him right up there as the best defensive player for Carolina with the turnovers that he's forced and just the, and, you know, the consistency that he's brought on the defensive side of the football. But if he can come out and play hurt and play well, this is like legendary type of stuff. Like he can get like in Carolina folklore if he can come out and, and give us that type of performance that, you know, hopefully the team gets inspired. This guy's hurt. Uh, you know, a lot of guys aren't going to play hurt in today's day and age. So it should be an inspiration for this team. But you know, we talked a lot about Giovanni Biggers being ready to take the, the next step and be a big part of this defense. We had some big expectations for him in the preseason. This could be a chance for him to show if he's ready for the spotlight or not. I mean, he looked good the other night when yeah. we saw him in there. I mean, his limited snaps that he's seen, he's looked pretty good. But I think it was really just you couldn't take Trey Morrison, who's off to a fantastic start off the field, and then, of course, Conley, who was playing that well. Right. I, what Jay Bateman said I think is right, though, and I thought it was interesting. He pointed out the deeper back that you play in the defense, the harder it is to play with a club on your hand because there's so many different things that you have to do. To be a defensive lineman and play with a club on your hand, that's one thing. I mean, you can get to the quarterback. I mean, yeah, it's still harder to tackle, but usually you have more help that's behind you. As a safety, you're the last line of defense. There's no one back there to help you, really, if you miss tackle. So that's where it's tricky. You've got to kind of figure out how you can use him. So we'll see. I think there's a chance that he's going to play a role, but I think you're going to see a lot more rotation than you've seen early on, and it's unfortunate because of how well he's been playing for this defense. 
uh, you know, a couple things that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to just throw this out there because they were mentioned during today's press conference with Mac Brown. Uh, he has talked with the media three out of the last four days. This man's <laughs> a freaking machine when it comes to these press conferences. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, but this is just part of being a head coach uh, in college football right now. But, yeah, he spoke with the media again today. Uh, and one of the questions that uh, – or one of the things he kind of brought up on his own, um, he mentioned about – you know, bringing guys, basically it was a conversation about fight and, you know, something that they've kind of lacked, I think, over the last couple of years uh, against, uh, you know, Virginia, some of the other teams that they've lost to. Uh, He was talking about guys that always like to fight and, you know, bring that fight to the table and basically phrase it as, who are the guys that he would want to bring into an alley if he had to get into a fight? Get into a good old Donnybrook, as he would probably say. Uh, so he, he didn't officially answer the question. Somebody at CL Brown uh, of the observer of the uh, News and Observer tried to get him to answer the question. He smartly did not answer the question. He did say <laughs> Jaquarius Conley would be in there though, because that dude's a fighter, which makes sense. I would take him with the club over a lot of other guys on the team for sure. Him without the club would be probably even better, um, but. Just based on what we kind of know about these guys, which Toriel player right now would you take in a fight out there? Because I I know one I know one of the guys that I would have without a doubt. I'll Who let you go you? first. I would take Ray, Ray Velocic. I think Ray, dude, you throw that big dancing bear in there, my goodness, that dude would I, – I, he could throw down, man. That's a bodyguard-style dude. He's kind of a quiet guy. He doesn't really talk a whole lot. So those are the types of guys that you always got to kind of be careful with. So I like him. And then in terms of like a guy that brings some energy that I think might be able to scrap a little bit, dude, I think Tony Grimes could throw some hands. Yeah, he was, likes to talk a lot. He does. I think he's a guy that could get in there and, and toss it up a little bit and I'll tell you Emory Simmons is another one. Oh sleep on Emory. I think Emory's a guy that could throw. I mean he's he's a guy that uh, you know uh, what was the shirt that that Sam was wearing Silence other, Your Doubters si- or Silence Your Doubters something like that. I think I, I think he's another one of those guys. He could scrap. He could silence some of those doubters in that alley if you needed him there. I wouldn't mind taking Josh Downs in there get one or two good licks oh, in dude, and then, yeah, and then da- we could yeah. just we could run like a scalded cat get out of there without before we get hurt. Um you know yeah, Ray Velocic's a really good one because when that dude gets moving, I'm pretty sure the earth shakes. Probably maybe a Power Eccles um, just because, I mean, the mountainous <laughs> the name, of a man. The name, yeah, I think. The, man, the, the name would, would have the, the opponent terrified. This is what happens, though, when you meet with the media three times in four days. <laughs> they get lazy. they got to ask something creative. Well, no, he opened Pandora's box when he brought that up. I think – that's something that you like. You, if he brings it up to you, why not ask the question? Well, hopefully his team brings some fight on Saturday night. That's all that really matters. Yeah, and I mean, look, at this point, I mean, we saw the bulletin board material that was put up by Mandy, Mandy Alonzo, who I don't really think he's played much of a role in the last two meetings. So, interesting guy to try to call him out. Also... I don't really feel like the offense or the even the offensive line for Carolina has really been the issue in the two games with Virginia. I would understand if an offensive lineman was calling out the defensive line. Yeah. But the other way around, I, I don't know. But 
that was clearly bulletin board material. Basically, you can read the quote, basically said Carolina's soft. I mean, that's pretty much what he was saying. That's something that should be an extra motivator. One of the other things that was brought up really quickly, what coach would you want from the ACC? Clearly besides Mac Brown, because I'm sure he's way up there in terms of Any guys coach? That we would want to fight. Who would you uh, – of the football coach? Oh, uh, ooh. Jeff Collins comes to mind. Dude, Jeff Collins. I'm gonna tell, I He's was got at, that Temple tough attitude. When I was at ACC Media Days, I could not get over how ripped this dude was. Like, he does not look like it on television. He's he is, He's got some – he's yoked. I yeah. mean, he I, can fight, dude. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go Jeff Collins. I, I think Collins is probably my guy just based on the workout regimen. If you're going with a dude that's got the attitude for fighting, dude, Pat Narduzzi yeah. is way up there. Oh, man, he's going to throw down. And I'll tell you another – I think Scott Satterfield could be a little feisty. I think he could throw some hands out there. He's, he's got – He's yeah. got that, that sort of attitude. I'm to see what he could do without glasses on because you're going to lose those glasses in a fight. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Get him the contacts. He's got to get one of those in there, although he may lose one of those during the fight as well. Uh, clearly, the dudes you wouldn't want in a fight, no offense, David Cutcliffe's an older fella. I don't know. Cutcliffe's kind of a laid-back guy. Dave Claw. I don't see Dave Clawson fighting any human. Dave I think Clawson Dave Clawson seems like the nicest guy on yeah, the face of the he's earth. He's a lover, not a fighter. And uh, Dave Doran, uh, I, I feel like Dave Doran is the kid that would be getting a wedgie from the guys that are fighting. Dave Doran looks like he has no fight to him. I just I don't see anything. That's about what his team looked like on Saturday night. Like a fighter. Uh, so yeah, but let's get into the game uh, against Virginia. Let's stop with all the funny stuff. Uh, Carolina. This is the 127th meeting with the Virginia Cavaliers. It is named the South's oldest rivalry. Uh, Carolina in the all-time series currently holds an edge, uh, 64-58. To four, um, Carolina, you know, has lost the last four meetings. Prior to that, they had won the last seven meetings. And then prior to that, they had lost the previous four meetings. So this is a series that has been full of streaks really since the turn of the century. And Carolina really wants to get this this one off their back. I think this one and the Florida State with the struggles that Mac Brown has had against them are ones that need to be on Carolina's list to sort of check off this season in terms of some of the losing streaks that they've had. It feels like an important one, as you mentioned, for the season, for Carolina in general. But I think it also is important in terms of this rivalry, one that it definitely seems like Virginia values more than the Tar Heels do. There's definitely no question that, and, and this goes back to even when Larry Fedora was our head football coach, that Virginia was more invested in the nature of the rivalry than Carolina was, and we were beating them based off of just we had more talent than, than we did. you got to remember, when you and I first got into uh, watching the Tar Heels play football, there was the whole statement that they couldn't beat Virginia at all. They hadn't won in Charlottesville in a very long time. Butch Davis and TJ Yates and those guys, they changed the narrative, and then Larry Fedora kind of kept that going until his last final two years where Carolina was, of course, bad, but they were both competitive in both those games. Um, and, and so that's that's where we're at. You know, you bring in Mac Brown. We hired Mac Brown, you know, to change the, the, the program. And, look, he's done a lot of great things. We've 
you know, went to back-to-back bowl games. We went to an Orange Bowl. We're beating Duke and NC State on the recruiting trail and on the football field. But the Virginia game matters right now because Virginia's made an ACC title game. They've made an Orange Bowl recently as well, so their fan base is more invested than they were a few years ago. And so it's now it, it's still a rivalry with Virginia. We got to get our same guys to take the same match they do when, when we take when we take on NC State and we take on Duke when we play the Cavaliers. Yeah, I mean they value it more than we do, but it's one that we've got to start valuing the exact same way. Uh, looking at the team that Carolina is going to be facing, uh, this is a good football team so far out of the gate this season. Now they played William and Mary and Illinois, so it's something where you've kind of got to take it with a grain of salt because neither one of those teams we think are going to be all that great but they're putting up 42 and a half points per game they're averaging 551.5 total yards of offense this season and they're throwing the football extremely well 381 passing yards per game out of the gate so far this year on the defensive side they have been really really good as well seven points per game allowing just 260 total yards per game and 105 rushing yards per game out of the gate. That's the one that sticks out the most to me. 155 uh, in the passing game. But I think, again, this is another thing where you just don't know how good these units are yet because they haven't really faced tough competition. The thing is, though, they have at least faced a power five team. So I still feel like this is a team that's going to come in confident. And this is a team that I still feel like Carolina should look at as a formidable opponent. Well, here's the thing about Virginia. Since Bronco Mendenhall got there. Um, do they have the same talent we have? No. But what have they been under his watch? They've been a sound football team. They're kind of like the coastal version of Wake Forest. They're not going to make many mistakes. They're not going to turn the football over. So they make it. They make you have to beat them because they're not going to beat themselves. And so I think that's something that Carolina's got to do is they've got to see how legitimate they are after beating William and Mary and then the thumping of Illinois and put them you know in, in, in situations where they've got to make plays in the second half because they've had to do that so far this season. Yeah, and these last two games have been shootouts. Uh, Carolina a few years ago falling to them at home, 38-35. Then they fall to them uh, last year in Charlottesville, 44 44- 41, 82 combined points for Virginia against the Tar Heels in those last two meetings. As you guys, I'll do the quick math for you. Bryce Perkins and Brennan Armstrong have run for an average of 89 yards per game in those meetings. Again, that's one of the main things that has bothered Carolina over the years, and it's bothered them again in this game and in this series against Virginia are the running quarterbacks. And currently, this is the thing. Brandon Armstrong has the legs. He hasn't had to use them that much so far this season. He is currently rated as the top passing quarterback in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. He is off to a tremendous start and currently leads the ACC in passing yards uh, with with, with 744 yards this season. They're spreading it around. They've got some really talented guys at wide receiver that they like to use, uh, which includes uh, a guy that was a former quarterback that they got as a transfer from Mississippi State in uh, Keaton Thompson. Uh, you've got uh, Billy Kemp at wide receiver. That's a name you should remember from last year. Uh, he didn't really hurt Carolina that much, but that's still a guy that I think Carolina's got to be aware of. But then the big guy that emerged this past week literally was their tight end, big 6'7", 270-pound Jelani Woods, who was tremendous uh, against Illinois. And that's something that, again, Carolina struggled in the past with tight ends. 
They've got to be aware of that in this game, and they've got to be ready for a team that's going to be willing to throw the ball around the yard in this game. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, you know, and I know it's going to sound crazy because he's got 744 passing yards. He's the top-rated quarterback in the country through two weeks. You feel pretty confident that your secondary is a lot better than William and Mary's in Illinois, right? I would hope so. Yeah, so, I'm with you on that one. I think, and hopefully the game plan is going to be take away his ability to run the football because, you know, Virginia wants the quarterback to run. The stats prove it. If, if Brennan Armstrong stands back in the pocket, and I think if he makes throws, I think you live with it. I don't think you live with if he's running all over you and throwing all, all over you in addition to that. Well, uh, you live with it if he – if, if you are getting pressure on him and he's still making throws, they have got, and Jay Bateman admitted it in his press conference the other day, but uh, his explanation wasn't the worst. They felt that with Braxton Burmeister, he was a guy that if you blitzed him, he would get out and run, and that's where they felt he was the most dangerous was with his legs. And he proved that. I feel like that's a guy that, that he said, look, we wanted him to have to stand in there and make throws. And as he showed in the second half, there are still some things that are questionable with Braxton Burmeister as the leader at quarterback. Uh, and then in the game against Georgia State, I think they basically felt the same way. They were doing a lot of good things with the quarterback run, with the speed option. They felt like they Cornelius Brown was a guy that, if he's going to beat you, let him beat you with his arm. Yeah. This game, I feel like, is a little different. You've got to crank up the pressure a little bit. I know that last year, Armstrong was able to have some success against you on the ground. To me... This is a guy that right now, out of the gate this season, is proving that if you let him stand back there and pick you apart, he's going to do it. So Carolina's got to be able to get more pressure on quarterback. Well, I think that's what we started, or what we've said about this defense for the first two weeks. We felt pretty good about the back four, as we did entering the season, even without Storm Duck. Um, you've seen Eugene Asante and Jeremiah Gimble. They've improved from week from the Virginia Tech game to last week. The guys up front have got to get more consistent pressure without us having to blitz. That's where the problems have happened against Virginia and against multiple other schools. Um, and look, the good thing is is that they've got a handful of guys up front that if the starters aren't getting it done, you can rotate in, you know, a Javari Ritzy or one of those guys. And those guys, you feel confident they're going to go make plays. This is going to be a 60-minute football game. This game, this game may no be over in the first half. It's not going to be over in the third quarter. Rotation is going to be key because I think whoever's more fresh in the final 15 minutes is going to win this football game. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think it showed in the last couple of matchups, and I think it's going to show again that you've got to be – whoever is deeper is going to win this football game. Uh, and look, I mean, the trench play is something that I know we're going to talk about. I don't even really have that in keys to the game because I think it's – it's That's un- a given in any football it's game. It's unbelievably obvious in this matchup too because the last two years, uh, you've won the offensive line of scrimmage. You haven't won the defensive line of scrimmage, and it's cost you. So you've got to be able to win win that part of the game in this one. And yeah, it's going to be a a focus on the rotation. I know one of the things that you brought up, and I think it's a great time to talk about it right here, is the fact that Carolina's got to be able to, not you know, they've got to rotate guys. But I think one of the main things is, is they have got to put Keep the guys in that are playing well. Allow those guys to stay in there and continue to have success. 
and rotate when you need to. Don't rotate because you have the depth to do that. Let guys like Javari Ritzy, who has stepped up and played well, a guy like Kamen Rucker, let those types of guys play a little bit more in this game and continue to prove themselves as they've done so far, at least in our eyes. Yeah, um, you know, look, th- these are supposed to be you know some of the best athletes in the you know in the in the country in the, you know in the world, whatever you want to call it. And look, I understand you want to keep guys fresher, and you have the ability to do that. And your whole Montreal offseason was less plays but more production. But it, if 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 someone is getting less plays and less production, then I'd much rather have the guy who's being on the field 30, 40 snaps and they're and they're making plays. Do we want to have the Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge where they're playing 90 snaps? Of course not like they had to do two years ago at Virginia Tech, but don't just take a guy out because he played back-to-back series. If he's not in shape, then that's a different problem. Um, leave, leave the guys out there, and it's kind of like, you know, if, if they give you the tire signal, if they have that or whatever, then you take them out. The helmet tap. Yeah, yeah. oh, no, I, I think you're right. And look, they did a good job of it with Ritzy. He played 26 snaps the other night. That was third most of your defensive linemen. I believe as well that the guys that played more than him – were Ray Voasik and Miles Murphy, which makes sense. Both of those guys were le- are, are leaders on your defensive line. Both of those guys played well the other night. They're going to be out there four more snaps, and I believe they only play two more snaps than him, which says a lot. That's something that we'll talk about more throughout the year when we focus on Javari Ritzy. To me, the one that I'm just not, I'm still not getting is how is Kamen Rucker not out there more? Because every time that he is on the field, he is doing something good. He is the guy that, to me, has provided probably the most consistent pressure of your edge guys. I think you've got to have him out there more. And I'm a guy that right now, I mean, look, I don't see what goes on at practice every day. Javari Ritzy's a guy that I want to see as much of him as possible. He is around the football every time that there is a play. He is a tremendous run defender. And I want to see those guys out there, especially against a Virginia team that has kind of pushed you around the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, you get those guys, their energy, and that energy is uh, infectious. Usually the team's going to feed off of those guys getting in the backfield and making plays. And I feel like they have a little bit more something to prove because they want more playing time. They want more snaps. They're not going to be as liable to let Virginia push them around like some of the other guys had the last couple years because if Carolina gets pushed around, and we'll be able to tell this in the first two or three drives of the football game, you'll you'll be able to know this is going to be a long night for Carolina. If Carolina can come out and establish the line of scrimmage, that they're going to control it, the the odds of Carolina winning the football game go way up. If not, you're going to be stuck in a tight game that you don't want to be stuck in in the fourth quarter. I mean, at this point, if they can win half of the reps up front, really on both sides of the ball, but I, I think on, on, on the defensive side of the ball, you'd like to be more confident and think they could you know, probably win that side. If they can hold their own on the offensive side of the ball, I'll be, I'll be happy. I, I just I have not seen anything from this unit right now so far this year that gives me much confidence in them up front. No. Uh, um, especially in this game. Because um, that's an area where Virginia's recruited well. They've recruited well on the defensive line. So Carolina's got to be ready for it. As I mentioned, the trenches, we know that's important. I didn't put that on the keys to the game here. One of the, but, but, but let's get into them. One of the ones that I think is a huge key in this game, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I need to re, we need to restate it here. You need to treat this game like it's a rivalry game. 
it, because it has developed into one over the past couple of years. I think the all-time series stats kind of show you that it is a rivalry. To be honest with you, it seems like it's almost more of a rivalry than NC State if you're just looking at the stats. You've got to treat this like a rivalry game because the team on the other side is going to treat it like one, and that's going to give them that extra motivation. You know, the last couple years, or, you know, during the Larry Fedora era, I didn't really hate Virginia all that much. And maybe this is just the fact that Roy Williams hasn't beaten them before he retired. I hate everything about Virginia, not to the level of NC State. I don't think that's possible. But I think you're right. We have got to get that mindset that this is a rivalry. It's going to be emotional with the fan base because there will be a handful of Virginia fans that will make the trip down to Chapel Hill. Um, And look, a lot of those players that, even if they're from the state of Virginia – They'd much rather go play for a North Carolina than a Virginia because of the Carolina brand and what you could do, especially if you got a Hall of Fame head coach like Mac Brown on your sidelines. So not only do you have to match that emotion, you've got to exceed that emotion and their want to because they're going to come in motivated. This team, as of right now, doesn't like they're going to be an ACC uh, championship type of team. So this could be, in a lot of ways, their Super Bowl. If they could knock Carolina out of the ACC uh, coastal running, they're going to, you know, that's what they're going to look to do on Saturday night. Well, and they're also a team that at this point early in the season probably believes that they have a good chance to still win the Coastal. Yeah. I mean, they've looked pretty good out of the gate. They've won two games. And this is one that right now, I mean, look, say what you want to say. Miami has not looked good out of the gate. They have not. I know they, you know, it was it was Alabama. They did not look good the other night against App State. So I feel like they feel the door is open because Carolina lost to Virginia Tech. The door is open. The teams feel like in the Coastal, they still have a chance. So that's another factor that's going to be in play here. Uh, one of the other things that I put on here, you got to be effective running the football. With Mac, your running backs. Mac, see, to me, I don't think it really matters. Mac Brown said this week, it doesn't matter who it is. You're here to win games. We've got to run the football. If that means that we got to run Sam Howell more, we got to run Sam Howell more. I'm with them on that. If that's the way that you've got to get this offense going, then run your quarterback. I don't want to see him running the ball 20, 25 times. That's a little bit too much for my liking. But I think, look, at this point, you've probably got to start putting in some designed runs for him because right now – That's been your most effective running game out of the gate, in large part because your offensive line isn't getting the job done, but it's also, uh, you you can't take all the blame and put it on the offensive line when the running backs really haven't been playing all that great either. Doesn't this feel like a game that this is why you went and got a Ty Chandler? Is his ability to be physical for 60 minutes, the ability to wear down an opposing defense, um and really be the focal point of your rushing attack. This feels like that game to me. I have no problem with Sam Howell running the football, uh, but I'm with you. Do I see him run it 20, 25 times? Absolutely not. The problem is is that if he would learn to slide – I'd say run them all the – and look, I know it came out and said that's not it's his not nature. I, I, but I, guess what? When he's on the sidelines hurt and we're starting a backup quarterback, then you're going to be like, well, we probably should have and drilled it in his head, slide, slide, slide. I, I feel like they have. I, I got to stick up for the coaching. They have talked about that so much in press conferences. And, I, I mean, maybe it's just something they say in pressers. I don't feel like that's this coaching staff. I just feel like – and, I mean, Sam's talked about it. When he was in high school, he could run through guys. Yeah. He can't change – something in his mind won't allow him to change that. And it I'm going to be honest, it sucks because you don't want to see your quarterback taking those types of hits. But at this point, I think it's something that you got to live with. And right now, with the struggles of your run game, you got to kind of embrace it. you well, got no choice. 
what I what I'd like to see happen is okay, like in the first quarter, and you know everything's scripted and all that. So you're probably going to see more running with your running backs. Now, if you get into the second or third quarter and you still can't run the football, okay, then you have no choice right. but to um, involve him with designed runs. Um, and, and so I think it's just something that you still want to be patient because I think Ty Chandler can still be a big-time back for this football team. Oh, I agree. But, I agree. you know, there's nothing wrong with sprinkling in those designed runs because it'll open up the passing game and to keep those secondaries. The secondary will start creeping down, and then all of a sudden, even though if you haven't hit a deep ball all night, that deep ball's open. So I do want it to be sprinkled into their offense, but let's not go away from Ty Chandler. Well, and here's the thing with Ty Chandler. I think there's been some moments where he's looked good. I think there's a lot of positive attributes to his game. He's just got to be more decisive. If you go back and watch the film of Michael Carter and Javante Williams, look, you'll see some moments where the offensive line clearly blocked better. Yes. Because one, they were fully healthy, and two, they simply just played better last year. They haven't played all that great so far this year. The other thing is, though, you had guys that were very decisive. There were some times where, even with Michael Carter, the hole wasn't really there or wasn't there for that long. But because he chose to hit it at that time, it worked out for him. You need Ty Chandler to be that guy that just says, look, I'm picking my hole. I'm running through it. This is the one I'm running through. And look, he played with a level of physicality in the SEC. Mac Brown talked so much about that in the preseason. We've got to see that starting in this game. And you'd like to see some of those other guys step up. It'd be great if it's DJ Jones. We don't know if he's going to be there. So you need guys like Caleb Hood, even if it's a guy like Josh Henderson that hasn't really played a whole lot but maybe gets that opportunity. Some of Somebody's got to step up in that spot and make something happen. And then, you know, the last key that I had here is don't get fooled by the eye candy. This was something that Mac Brown talked about the other day. Jay Bateman talked about the other day. Virginia's a team that likes to throw a lot of different looks at you. For crying out loud, they played four quarterbacks in games so far this year, and they've done it in both games that they've played in. They like to throw all different sorts of looks out there to try to get defenses confused. And that's sort of the counter what Jay Bateman likes to do, which is throw a lot of different looks to confuse the quarterback. So this will be an interesting strategical matchup between Jay Bateman and Robert Anai, the offensive coordinator from Virginia. I think the biggest thing in this game, though, for Carolina, they have been fooled a lot by the motion so far this year. There's going to be a lot of different guys that are going to be shifting to take snaps under center. We saw it last year where they would have Brandon Armstrong under center. Keaton Thompson would motion in. All of a sudden, he would go under center. Brandon Armstrong would kick out. You need to focus on doing what you know you're out there to do, which is take care of your gap assignments, make tackles in open space, do those things and you should be fine defensively. Yeah, this is going to really come down to on the defensive side of the football, communication and then eye discipline and not getting caught looking in the backfield and letting something happen and then you're out of position. Um, and I think it starts in the week of preparation, starting with Jay Bateman. Um, look, this defense has looked really good through the first two weeks. I think we can, um, we can all agree on that. But we're going to see a different – type of offense in Virginia on Saturday night because they, as you mentioned, they just do so many different things that leaves you just kind of they keep you on your toes for 60 minutes. They've done a really good job of that. If you've watched Bronco Mendenhall back at BYU, he did a lot of the same thing where they just they threw a lot at a team to make you prepare for you. Um, and so I think it's going to start with the preparation. 
when you get in that game, this is where Jeremiah Gilmore thinks it's going to be. His leadership is going to be a really big part of the success Carolina has or doesn't have. They can communicate through all three levels of the defense what happens when they do a certain shift, motion, whatever, and then they can keep their eye discipline um, respectable. I think you're going to have this defense in position to make plays because what we've seen on film the first two weeks. Yeah, this is where not potentially not having Jaquarius Conley uh, could hurt you. Yeah. Definitely not having it about 100% will hurt you, but I think that Carolina, uh, you know, has seen enough of this team now. Hopefully they can make the adjustments in this one. Uh, so let's head, you know, to our official predictions. Uh, you know, this was a game that in the preseason I had Carolina winning. I told you, though, that this was one of those games on the schedule that even though it was at home, I was a little nervous about because Carolina has really struggled against this team over the past four years. This was a team that Mac Brown didn't have a ton of success against in his first stint at Carolina either. I still think this is a game that Carolina will win, but I'm with you. It is going to be, uh, to me, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Carolina's defense will probably play better than the score will show you, but I do think that Virginia is going to put up some points in this game. I think that Carolina is going to put up some points in this game, and I think it's going to be a back-and-forth battle. And hopefully what we saw at times in that second half from Carolina's offensive line where they showed some signs of taking steps forward, especially with protecting their quarterback, will continue into this game. I think Carolina wins it 35-31, to 31, but it'll be a close one. It will not I, – I am, by the way, stunned that Virginia or, or that Carolina is an eight-point favorite in this game. Yeah, that's that's Vegas, you know, given the Carolina fact that Carolina's ranked. They're at home. They've got uh, one of the best quarterbacks in college football um, in Sam Howell. If you don't think this game's going to be a shootout, you haven't been paying attention since Mac Brown came back. Both these offenses put up a lot of points. I don't think we'll be short of fireworks come Saturday night. I think Carolina's offense took the right step. Last week, you got some more confidence in Emory Simmons, Antoine Green, if you got to throw the football down the field. Hopefully, Chaffrey Brown will be uh, available to make some plays. you got the tight ends involved. I think Sam Howell got back on the right track. I think Carolina wins this game 38-234, and I think we will learn a lot about this football team in the three hours coming up this weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. So, both of us have shootouts here. I'm getting choked up think, just thinking about uh, another shootout uh, in Keenan Stadium. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, I think, an extremely, extremely interesting game. Uh, I don't think that these two teams are as far apart as some of the people in Vegas think they are. Um, and, and, look, I think, uh, you know, Carolina's got to be prepared for a fight, and I think that they will be after uh, the last two years not really being prepared uh, for that fight. So let's take a look at some of the uh, closing notes here uh, for uh, in and around Carolina football. Uh, earlier this week, Carolina's game against Georgia Tech, which is scheduled for September 25th in the Mercedes-Benz Dome down in Atlanta, Georgia. That time was officially set. It is set for 7.30 p.m. Uh, if you can make it down there, go ahead. Go on the road. It's going to be uh, a pretty cool environment being down there in that stadium for the first time. Carolina's never played there. Remember, they were supposed to play there to open last season against Auburn. But, of course, with COVID-19, everything got shifted around. So it's going to be a cool environment. Honestly, that's one of those games where if I didn't have to work on Sunday morning, I would have loved to go to that game. But with it being a 7.30 game, uh, it's going to be really tough. So, yeah, if you can make it down there for that game, definitely go down there and travel. That'll be a pretty cool road trip against a team that, I mean, look, 
Nothing is guaranteed. I know they rebounded this past week. Georgia Tech, I don't know how good of a football team they're going to be this year. That's one that Carolina should definitely win regardless of the outcome of this game. Uh, on the recruiting trail, a couple of recruiting notes for you before we get out of here. George Petaway, uh, one of the Tar Heels' top remaining targets on the 2022 recruiting trail. The four-star running back out of the state of Virginia. He is going to announce his commitment on September 22nd. Carolina currently seen as the team in the driver's seat for him. We will have you covered on that front, uh, including the article when uh, to preview his commitment, an article if he does commit, an article if he doesn't commit because that's a pretty big one for Carolina. And we'll also have a preview edition of the podcast with Zach Hubbard. And we'll also go through and break down his commitment, whether it goes Carolina's way or not with Zach Hubbard uh, when he does end up committing. So make sure that you guys keep an eye out for that. Another guy that Carolina seems to be pretty closely tied to right now uh, is to that on the 22 trail is four-star tight end Benji Gosnell. He, of course, is the brother of of current Tar Heel wide receiver Steven Gosnell uh, and uh, there was an article that was released today it looks like Carolina and Virginia Tech are the two teams that are currently being focused on by him right now I know that's a 24-7 sports article that you guys can check out see more of the inside details over there I believe that was Brian Doan of 24-7 sports that had that but the Tar Heels are one of those two teams right now that looks as if they are in prime position uh, to compete for his commitment after he of course decommitted from Ohio State uh, just a little over a month ago. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure you guys head over to the website, check out all the stuff that we're going to have up there for Virginia. I'll go more in depth on the Cavaliers uh, in the preview <coughs> of the game. Uh, it'll, of course, start uh, with you know team breakdowns, uh, team stack comparisons. We'll have the injury reports for you, the keys to the game, all that stuff. All That'll all be in an article for you guys to take a look at to get you prepared for the game against Virginia and then after the game we'll have the recap the trench report the stock report all the stuff that we do for you guys each week we'll have all that stuff coming out of that extremely important game for Carolina the recap will be up I am planning on getting it up uh, that night uh, especially with how big of a game that one is uh, and then the trench report and stock report will come out throughout the weekend or uh, early in the next week as uh, we'll then of course turn our focus on to Carolina's game against Georgia Tech, and we'll continue to do that, of course, throughout the season. So far, it's been a pretty big success with the articles on the website. Uh, make sure you guys uh, keep checking those out throughout the season. We greatly appreciate that. As I mentioned, there'll also be stuff on, uh, up there about George Petaway's uh, looming commitment. We'll have you guys ready for that and covered uh, when he does end up making his commitment next Wednesday. So uh, we're going to have you locked in on all of that stuff as Carolina tries to add another significant piece from the state of Virginia to this 2020 to class. Uh, make sure you guys check out, as I mentioned, the podcast. We'll have stuff uh, for uh, George Petaway. We'll have stuff, of course, throughout the season. It's on all, all these different platforms uh, that you guys normally find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Now, also sprinkled in there is the Pigskin Podcast Network. We have joined that. Uh, really appreciate those guys for reaching out. Appreciate Josh for also uh, sort of, you know, pushing them 
out towards me a little bit. He gave them a little bit of a nudge there. Uh, those guys have been great so far, and uh, it's over on their website. It's also on Megaphone as part of uh, the package that we get with them. We've moved our hosting site over to Megaphone, so uh, make sure you guys check it out over there as well. That's another great place you can check out the podcast uh, if you want to listen to it. And if you do, wherever you listen to it, make sure that you are subscribed. And we do have the video editions of the podcast, the articles, the audio editions, all that stuff is on the Facebook page. Make sure that you like and follow the Facebook page. It'll be at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook, so make sure you guys check that out. And then uh, head over to the other social media sites uh, at H uh, or at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. Uh, that's the official Twitter account uh, for the site and for all the other stuff that we do. And then, of course, our personal accounts at HTB Anthony to follow me, at HTB Josh to follow Josh, and at HackZubber2 to follow Zach Hubbard, our recruiting analyst. You're going to want to keep up with him over this next week or so as we lead up to the Petaway commitment. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.